0: The title of this morning's message is "New Year Prognosis, Projections, and Predictions." Uh, prognosis, pr- projections, and predict- uh, predictions—and these are all big words for me. I need to tell you, uh, and I'm not trying to impress you. I'm just trying to expand my vocabulary, uh, with English being my uh, second, you know, second language for me. Um, and uh, <laughs> you know, um, I'm looking on into this year and. And I'm not a prophet, by the way, so I'm not about to to prophesy, say, thus says the Lord, and prophesy specific events. But I'm seeing certain trends and certain things uh, uh, as I look on into this year. And in terms of prognosis, uh, if we were to take a thermometer and if we had the ability to reach forward, and this is January right, right now, if we had the ability to reach forward and stick the thermometer into the month of May or June or July or possibly on into August, September, or possibly on right into December, what sort of a temperature would we feel? Uh, and if we had a, a probe to be able to stick that into any given month, what would we see? What, what would we feel? Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm interested in that sort of stuff. Uh, because there's certain things that you and I can do to prepare uh, and to, to fortify our lives. So whatever goes down this year, uh, of any negative nature, that you and I walk in divine protection, and that we walk in divine prosperity. And uh, you know, when we talk about projections, it means that uh, you know, you look, if I were to draw a line uh, uh, across a page, and I sort of draw it ac- across a third of the way, and ask you and say, uh, where do you think this line is going to end up uh, uh, if it keeps going in the same direction? Well, you'll be able to figure that out because there is a certain projection. And uh, if we look at what's going. On right now, if things keep going, we roughly have an idea where things could end up at least, uh possibly will, Uh, and so we're talking about projections. And there are certain things uh, that we can predict with great accuracy. Uh, And uh, what that means is that, you know, we have prophets in the world today uh, who prophesy certain things that will be happening, and they see specific things. uh, And uh, sometimes it's hard to know who to listen to because there's a lot of people that claim to speak with a prophetic voice. But, you know, the Bible tells us that we have a more sure word of prophecy, and that is the written word of God. And in the end, I want to listen to this prophet. I want to listen to that one. But in the end, I want to ultimately listen to what the word tells us will be happening in these last days. And so I want to open up the word today. And uh, once again, I know where I'm starting out. I don't always know where where I end up with. I've got a whole lot of things floating around in my spirit, and hopefully I'll be able to reach into my spirit and with the help of the Holy Spirit, to pull out a message that will encourage you today that will be relevant to each and every one of us and when I say I'm preaching this word to you I'm preaching it to me as well it is the beginning of a new year and uh at such a time, it's always a good thing to do to reestablish and to redetermine what is God's plan and purpose for my life. Uh, you know, <laughs> we don't want to waste any time. We certainly don't want to waste a whole year. So at the beginning of the year, it's setting our, our, our direction and, uh, and, 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 and determining what we will do this year. Um, then, uh, where are we on God's timeline towards the second coming of Christ? I know about you, but I'm interested in that. Uh, uh, We we know for sure that Jesus Christ will return to the earth. We know for sure that we are in the last days. And when we say last days, I'm not talking uh, uh, literal days. We're not even weeks or months necessarily. Could be a couple of years, but we are definitely in the last days before the coming of Jesus Christ. Where are we on that timeline? It's good for us to understand what that is and what should be our focus uh, in these last days before Jesus Christ returns. I said late last year that there are a lot of voices out there and a lot of People and groups and entities and uh, trying to get our attention. Do this, do that, and buy this, and get involved here. And what should be our focus? Uh, Part of the complexity of living in modern times is that everybody wants your attention. And sometimes there's not enough attention left for the things of God and for the purposes of God. And Frank, God is trying to get our attention. So as I said, I hope that with today's message that you will be encouraged and uh, I'm determined to get right to the end and I'd encourage you to stay plugged in because I'll be saying some things along the way that think, oh, I'm not sure if I want to hear this, but I want to get to the end because there is good news in the middle of everything that we are seeing uh, as we look into the Word. So I want to start this morning by looking at a passage of Scripture in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through to verse 3. Uh, It is in your outline, and it's also on the screen up behind me. It says, The Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and they tested Jesus, asking Him that He would show them a sign from heaven. And He answered, and He said to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of of the times and each time when I visit this passage of scripture I'm a little challenged myself uh, uh, because you know we can get all taken up with what's going on all around us and we're able to figure certain things out because we've had an education and we've got different people that are telling us different things but in terms of discerning the signs of the times uh, are we really discerning the urgency of the hour are we really discerning the signs of the times because the coming of Jesus Christ is not very far away. And if that's the case, we would order and organize our lives uh, in a certain way that will reflect that. It's one thing to say, I believe this. it's another thing to flesh it out in our priorities and uh, determine to live a certain lifestyle. So here Jesus was chiding the religious, the religious leaders of the day Because all they wanted to do was see signs and wonders, and they were unable to discern the signs of the times. Which is an interesting challenge for you and me today. For all that we want to see more signs and wonders and more miracles, uh... I'm concerned that we've got hordes of people running around following signs and wonders, yet when the chips are down, many of them would not be able to discern the signs of the times. The focus is on the spectacular rather than on what God is doing in and through. If something is not visible in the external, God is working in different areas all the time. I'm reading from First Chronicles chapter 12, and this is still just a preamble, if you like, before we really get into the message this morning. But here in verse 32, it says, "...from the tribe of Issachar there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times, and they knew the best course for Israel to take." And when I read this passage of Scripture, I'm sensing again a challenge in my life. And I'm sensing an anointing because here is what happens, friends. Out of all of Israel, the 12 tribes, uh, uh, the tribe of Issachar, there were one tribe. And amongst that lot, there were 200 leaders that discerned or that understood the signs of the times. And along with it, they knew the best course for Israel to take, which I find Amazing, because uh, when Israel as a nation left Egypt, there were 200, let me start again, there were 600,000 able-bodied men to go to war, so we roughly know what numbers of people that we were dealing with. Um, and 600,000 men from ages 20 upwards, uh, able-bodied men, uh, presumably they were all married, presumably they had, had all kids. So there's a couple of million people right there. And now we're in the book of Chronicles, which is a number of years after the Exodus. Israel has multiplied. In the meantime, we could be talking five, six, seven million people. And an, amongst all of that, there's only 200 people that can discern the signs of the times. So it lets us know that we ought not to listen to every voice that claims that they understand what's going on. Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees of the day who were preaching about the Messiah. They were studying about the Messiah. And when he stood before them, they did not recognize him. Which is amazing. I mean, that just boggles the mind. (laughs) This, This is amazing. So... The encouraging part in the middle of all of this is that God in every generation has a people that understand the signs of the times and they know the best course to take, the best course of action. In other words, preparing for what lies ahead. In the King James Version or in the New King James Version, it says they knew what to do. All right, And friend, uh, it is on my heart that you and I as the people of God know what to do this year to best prepare for what's coming. That we know what's coming and we know how to best prepare for it. You know, understanding the signs of the times requires a unique approach. This is the reason why uh, out of all these millions of people, there were only 200 people that understood the signs of the times. It requires a unique approach, one which Jesus applied in his life and one which he also recommended to you and to me. And I'll read that to you from Isaiah chapter 11 verse 3, uh, which is what we call a messianic a passage, a messianic prophecy that speaks about Jesus Christ. And it says there that the spirit of the Lord uh, will be upon him, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the fear of the Lord and of wisdom and so forth. And then it says in verse 3, it says, His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Now, friends, there's a key right there. I sort of came across that last year, and I was, I was just like, wow, God, what are you saying here? What are you saying? When we got the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, and we are in tune with the Spirit of God, we are not tricked by what we see with our eyes, and we're not tricked by what we hear with our ears. Because, my friend, there are many, many voices out there. And uh, Jesus goes on to say here in John chapter 7, and in verse 24, he's again speaking to the same group of people, uh, to the Pharisees there. He says, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Friends, my concern is that uh, the two predominant signs in the last days uh, spoken about in Matthew chapter 24, one of those is deception and the other one is offenses. That as we look on into the year, I don't know about you, but I'm determined to get to the end of the year, 2019, and I will not be offended and I will not be deceived. All right? I know about you, uh, and I know it's, the, it's in your heart the same, but uh, Jesus said, look beneath the surface. Why would we need to do that? Well, friends, uh, that whole area of discernment, we need to be very um, careful, if you like, that we are not easily or that we are not fooled by sleek appearances, that we're not easily fooled by slanted reports or by skewed schemes. Uh, whether that uh, reporting comes through the mainstream media, who, by the way, is skewed and slanted every time. All right? Don't just listen to the news read the news, and don't get your news from social media necessarily. Be very careful so that you don't get taken up with all of these uh, slanted schemes that are going on to sway people this way and sway people that way. Uh, You know, there is such a thing in the media. uh, There is over-reporting, under-reporting, and non-reporting. And that will give you a skewed view right there. All right. You listen to any reports about Israel. There's an over-reporting and there's a non-reporting on certain things, and many, many people have got entirely the wrong attitude towards the nation of Israel because of it. People are, if you like, deceived in this area. Good, they're good people, yet they're still deceived as far as their attitude towards. Um, you know, say the state of Israel is concerned. Now, of course, the state of Israel is not without guilt. It's not a perfect state. It's got its own challenges. It's got its own problems. I'm just using that as an example. Can I tell you something uh, uh, in regards to uh, reporting, over-reporting? Uh, you know, when I sit down in front of my TV and I flip around and I try to find some news and hopefully some good news, I come across these uh, these uh, shows that they put on in America, these late-night shows, um, and... Uh, Every time, it's Trump bashing. Every time, it's Trump bashing. Open the news every time, it's Trump bashing. Friend, I'm not here to defend the man in any way. He's certainly no angel, I can tell you that much. Uh, 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 Of what little I understand, he's no angel. But here's the deal. I just can't get on board with it. I just can't get involved with that Trump bashing. Because the deal is, if the man is truly placed there by God... If we get involved with Trump bashing, we're actually fighting against God rather than praying for the man. It's an interesting thought. Uh, and yet, uh, most people that you talk to already, they have already written him off because that's what the media... So in other words, they've judged by what they've heard with their ears they've judged what they've seen with their eyes as they've read the news but they have not truly discerned what the spirit of god is endeavoring to get across to them on the inside just two examples uh, to give you an understanding uh, that uh, uh, we need to be like jesus that we don't just judge by the sight of our eyes or decide by the hearing of our ears we need to judge correctly praise god uh, m- many of us would have instances where we read a report or we might even have seen a news report on television of something that we may not have directly been involved in but we knew something about. It was like close to home, if you like. And, and that's happened to me several times uh, over the years. And then when I'm reading that report and I'm- I-, I know what's going on, uh, I'm thinking that the- it- t- this doesn't match. There- there's something not right. And yet, yet you're listening to somebody that really enjoys watching news and listening to news, and I really want to stay plugged in. But last year, I decided I was going to pull back from some of these things and just maybe spend a bit more time discerning what the Spirit of God is telling me um, and just making sure that I'm not swayed this way or that way because there are interest groups out there. There's a lot of whitewash that goes on. There's quite a bit of spin doctrine that goes on, and you and I must not be deceived in the middle of it all. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, it says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And gosh, doesn't that really clinch it. We will not be tricked by people who tell us lies, they are so clever, they sound like the truth. And so, friends, uh, there is a kind of a word of encouragement for us. Let's not be tricked this year. And we've already been tricked. uh, Sometimes people have already made up their mind about certain things. Sometimes it's a good thing to get into neutral on some things. uh, Not saying that we ought to swap around the position, change our mind every five minutes. But sometimes just, so let's just stand back. Let's just not get on board with what everybody else is saying. Let's just not get on board with with bashing this one or bashing that one or bashing that one. Let's just hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us uh, in this late hour. So what will 2019 be like as a year? (laughs) What are we looking forward to this year? Will it be good or will it be grim? Will it be glorious or will it be ghastly? And I'm concerned to tell you that it'll be both. All right. There is good things up ahead, but there's also challenging things up ahead. And I guess to uh, underscore that with scripture, let me read to you from Proverbs chapter four, verse eighteen. The pastor Vanessa quoted that earlier on, um, out of uh, verse eighteen and verse nineteen. But it says here: "It says, but the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines even brighter." Until or unto the perfect day. But the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So you and I need to realize that in any given year, there is a sort of a dual thing going on. Uh, As in in two things happening simultaneously. The Bible speaks here about the just. Um, One translation says the righteous. And that speaks about believers. uh, uh, Speaks about people that have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. And who have been justified. And who have been made righteous. And the Bible tells us that our path. The path of the just and the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. But then it, says the way, it speaks about a path. So a path is obviously a, a continuous thing going forward, and it gets brighter and brighter. Then it speaks about the way of the wicked. It says here that they are like, like being in darkness, they do not know what makes them stumble. Two different groups of people, two different experiences, and two different outcomes all at the same time. So this is what we mean by a dual thing going on. Uh, There's two things unfolding simultaneously and you and I we can and we should choose to be part of the correct group uh, that we belong to so that we walk on the path uh, that leads us towards that brightness that the Bible speaks about. It leads us to further and deeper into the blessing of God into the protection of God, into the health of God, into the provision of God and connecting up with the plan and with the purpose of God for our lives. You know, receiving Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior, and continuing to, to serve Him will ensure that we're on the right path in the middle of everything else that's going down in the world. We haven't got enough time, friends, uh, uh, but there's multiple scriptures that tell us that there's not so good things that lie ahead, and to kind of ignore that and to kind of... Uh, Sugar-coated, if you like, would not be the right approach for us. We need to know that we're in the last days, and I want to make a few comments uh, of what we can expect to see happen more and more in the last days. But in the middle of it all... The path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter unto that day. There is absolutely good news for you and for me. Friends, we are in covenant with God. And God is able to look after his own. And as economic times become more difficult, God is able to look after us. And as there is more perilous times, which is what the Bible speaks about, with the selfishness of mankind and stuff getting worse and worse in society in different areas. And, you know, sometimes you've got to look just beyond and out outside of your own environment and just look uh, with, with a kind of an international uh, viewpoint what's going on in different nations around the world. God is able to look after us in these last days and lead us absolutely uh, into a place of, uh, of being able to enjoy our lives, being able to enjoy the goodness of God um, and that's why no matter uh, what we are looking and what we are seeing this year, there are some anchor points that we ought to put down, friends. And anchor points is that one anchor point for me is this, that God is good. Right. All right? God is not a mean God. God is a good God. And another anchor point for me is that, uh, that uh, um, how shall I put this, that, that God is for me and he's not against me. That no matter what I might experience, I must never get the skewed idea and understanding that God's after me, God's out to try to get me or something like that. God is a good God. And God's purpose and God's plan for me is good. I might not experience the fullness of it right now, but I'm on the the way. I'm on the path, and I'm going further and deeper into it. And life will get better and better. And yes, there will be more and more challenges. Uh, As I say, modern life is complex. Modern life is complex and there's all sorts of things that goes on, but we look to God. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, that our faith is strong in these last days. I'm mindful that when Smith Wigglesworth uh, was operating in his ministry, uh, the Plumber from the UK, from England, that got saved and at age 50 launched out into worldwide ministry. And today they call him, they still call him the Apostle of Faith. And he prophesied some things. And one of those things that he prophesied about our nation and Australia, he prophesied that the outpouring of the Spirit would take place in such ways that it would be unprecedented in our lands. But he also prophesied at the same time. He says, I see days coming in the last days. He says, it will be very difficult to have faith. Because as I say, we have so many voices that if we listen to them over and over, it'll rob us of faith. So we need to be selective whom we lend our ear to and (laughs) whose report we read with our eyes. All right? Let me encourage you with that. So God is a good God. I read here from the book of Joshua chapter 24, where Joshua, the leader uh, over the nation of Israel, that Moses had led out of Egypt. Moses led him on into the promised land, and and one day he stood before them, and he challenged them right down to the bone, and he says, now therefore, he says, fear the Lord, serve him with sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river, and in Egypt. You see, Israel, the Israelites had gotten involved in idol worship, and they somehow thought that some of the gods of the uh, of the of the heathen people that were all around them were more interesting and more exciting, and there was more spectacular stuff that was going on there. And he says, no, 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 no. He says, put away those gods. He says, serve the Lord, verse 15, and it seems evil to you. He says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served and which um, uh, served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, Joshua made up his mind what he was going to be about, and how he was going to direct his family. And, uh, you know, there is an aspect to it, uh, and I know I'm bouncing around a bit today, but uh, the Bible says that God chose Abraham to get into covenant with. And... uh, And one of the Bible says, one of the reasons why God chose Abraham, not because he was any flesher than anybody else. He just decided that this was the man that he was going to work with to eventually bring the Messiah into the earth through that bloodline of Abraham. But the Bible says uh, that God says, I know Abraham, that he will command his family after him. And i got a message stirring in my spirit that I'll be bringing out uh, at some stage earlier on this year, if there's enough time before we start our campaign. But uh, friends, we need to pass on our faith to the next generation, to our children, to our children's children. And the message is this, that I'm looking at what Paul says to Timothy. And he says, Timothy, he says, I see a faith in you that was first in your grandmother. It was in your mother and now it's in you. And the concern that I have there is that it is a faith that was passed on to the young man by the the mother, not by the father. (laughs) Now, I'm not about to get into man bashing because men don't need to be bashed. Men need to be encouraged. But friends, here is this. Uh, Man or woman, let's command our family after us and not suggest them after us. Let's command them. Let's be very firm about that and let let them see our faith and let's pass it on because faith is intergenerational. Faith will be in one generation and it wants to jump on the next generation, but we need to help that faith. We need to impart that. It's even laying hands on our children. And one of the things I want want to do earlier on, we were talking about kids going back to school. What we've done for many years running now, we might have missed a year or two, Beginning of every year, we line all the kids up in the front here uh, and we want to lay hands on them and pray for them because as they start their schooling years, we want them to be anointed uh, so that they will excel in their learning. We want the grace of God to be on their lives so that schooling is a good experience that they end up with good teachers, they end up with, you know, that, that you know with, with their peers and so forth and let's organize some a Sunday in the next couple of three weeks to do that uh, and, and so forth. And, and let's lay hands on the children, let's hard faith, because faith is not only taught, it's also caught. And in these last days, friends, the need for walking by faith is higher than what it's ever been. Because there's a lot going down. So Joshua said, as for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. He says, we've made up our mind. We've put away the guards of uh, our forefathers that they served on the other side of the river. We've we've done away with idol worship out of our family. We've done away with with, with all of these uh, uh, practices that are not clean, that are not that are not you know occultic practices. Uh, we, we 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 even cleaned up our house. We we got rid of stuff that has any connotation of false gods, uh, and that's something that is so. Um, overlooked these days when Pastor Vanessa and I got saved in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s. We got saved and gosh, there was a thrust in those days that when somebody got saved, you know, they they came and they said, all right, uh, now that you're saved, you need to get rid of this in your life. You need to get rid of that. And here is a list of three pages long of things that you need to renounce, things that you need to repent of so that you can absolutely get cleaned out. And guess what? We did it. We went through screeds of lists. We went through them several times just to make sure. You know, after we'd already gone through it and there was any, any thought, oh, maybe this is still in my life. Well, let's go over the list again. And nowadays, people don't even know many times what the word repent means. It's just no longer uh, part of a lot of the mainstream now. We've got all of these trendy things going on today. Everybody still with me this morning? I know it wasn't going to be a, a, just a pretty message today. But, uh, you know, friends, uh, I want to encourage you at the beginning of the year. Let's lay down some anchors for this year. And let's set our, our projection. Uh, you know, we've got a trajectory that we are moving on. And I told you I'm using big words today. And that's not to impress you, but that is to expand my vocabulary a little bit. Uh, looking forward to some great things this year. It says, as for me and as for my house, we shall serve the Lord. I'm going to talk to you about Israel, because the Bible says that um, certain things happen to Israel that are examples to us. Good things happen to them, and also bad things happen to them. Uh, In fact, uh, over in the New Testament, in Corinthians, it speaks about the five sins that Israel committed, um, and it kept them out of the promised land. And that's written in the New Testament. God wants us to know uh, where they tripped up to make sure that we don't trip up in those same areas. But there are certain things that we see in the, in the life and in the journey and in the experience of Israel that I believe uh, will encourage us today. And, uh, and that is that uh, uh, Israel is a people, uh, is a tribe. They lived in Egypt in a region called Goshen. Everybody say Goshen. All right, Goshen. Goshen. Um, Goshen, um, the Bible speaks of a land, but it's actually not a land as much as it's a region within the land. Uh, Goshen was the area within uh, the land of Israel that was allocated to, the, to, to Jacob and to his, all of his people. Um, it was... Part of the best of the land, specifically or geographically, it is located near the delta of the Nile River. So a very fertile land, very well-watered land and a good land. And Pharaoh was a good Pharaoh when Israel arrived there with, what, what does it say, 72 souls. They arrived there and, and they came to be with Joseph and Joseph introduced them uh, to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, look he says, why don't you go down to Goshen? That's the best of the land. I'll give you that land. You can settle there and you can, you know, do what you like down there. Just look after my sheep and, and be my herdsman, but otherwise this is now your land. And the nation of Goshen was a little bit of a foretaste of the promised land. It wasn't, it wasn't the promised land, but it was a foretaste. Friends, no matter where we are in our journey, of, in our faith, in our in our Knowledge of Jesus Christ and his plan for our lives. God always wants better for us than what we're experiencing right now. And praise God if your life's good and you're experiencing good things, rejoice. But God's got better for you. And let's not settle. Uh, Let's not build a camp and say, well, here is where I'm staying. And this is all that we need for ourselves. You know, let's look beyond. Let's see beyond. And so the land of Goshen was a good land. It was well watered. It was just a fantastic place. Uh, But what happened is a couple of pharaohs later... There was a mean Pharaoh that arose and he enslaved uh, the people of Israel and made them make bricks all day long without giving them days off and in the end without giving them the materials to do so. You know the story, many of you, how Israel in the end was uh, a nation that was completely enslaved by the Egyptians, uh, specifically by Pharaoh and his cronies. And uh, so God moved on a man by the name of Moses. And God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to go down and confront Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Because I want my people to go and I want them to sacrifice to me out in the wilderness because God had planned to take them on into the promised land. And there's a whole journey, there's a whole story. Good for us to understand because, you see, Pharaoh is a type of the devil. And when Pharaoh came, uh, or rather when Moses came to Pharaoh, and and he says, God says uh, uh, to you, Pharaoh, let my people go that they may serve me. Well, Pharaoh said, I'm not letting you go. And then you know judgments began to fall and of course God says to Moses if, if Pharaoh says no just tell him that a judgment is falling there was about eight or nine disasters that happened in the end that completely broke the, the neck of the nation of Israel in terms of its military power in terms of it, Egypt uh, in terms of its military power in terms of its economic power it completely collapsed the nation and it's never been the same since. It was not necessary, but Pharaoh was just a stubborn man. And God says, all right, you're stubborn. He says, and you decided to be stubborn. Let me show you something. I can make you more stubborn just to make a real point here. (laughs) And again, there's a whole journey. We haven't got time to get into it. Uh, uh, But bit by bit, uh, when sort of Pharaoh's uh, will sort of caved in a little bit, he says, all right, he says, says, uh, go out into the wilderness and do your sacrificing name, but leave your kids here. And uh, Moses says, no, we're bringing our kids as well. You see, the devil does not mind when you're already saved, but he doesn't want your kids to come with you. That's what I'm saying. Let's pass on our faith to the next generation, to the following generation, make sure that this thing perpetuates. And uh, because in the end, uh, uh, there was another judgment that happened, and then Pharaoh says, all right, all right. He says, take take, uh, yourself, take your kids, but leave your livestock here. And Moses says, no, we're taking it all. See, the devil will try to negotiate with you as to how much liberty he will allow you to enjoy. And if you settle for less, the less is what you will experience. And you and I need to be much more aggressive and much more in, in your face with the devil and much more aggressive when it comes to walking by faith and much more aggressive in laying a hold of the blessing of God and not taking no for an answer. And I'm not, taking the, I'm not suggesting that God would say no. See, God's not the one that says no, but the devil says no. God's already made up his mind that he wants you and I to have abundant life. Jesus says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But then he says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have him more abundantly. And any less than abundant life means we have been robbed by the devil. We've been duped into a kind of a half-blessing type life rather than a full-blessing life. Everybody all right this morning? All right. So let's lay hold of everything that God has for us and do not be shy. Don't get embarrassed when you prosper. Don't get embarrassed when you get so free you walk around with a smile on your dial all day long. And not about, you know, looking down on other people in any way, shape or form. None of it whatsoever. But don't get embarrassed when the blessing of God begins to manifest. And stomp the ground and don't let the devil invade your home. Don't let him get in through strife or division or jealousy or all of this other stuff or offenses, as we said earlier on. Don't let that happen. So the people of God in in Goshen, they experienced the good things until Pharaoh began to enslave them. And then the judgment was pronounced over Pharaoh. And here's what happened. Here is uh, God speaking to Moses. Moses, go and see Pharaoh, and this is what you tell him. He, He says, if you refuse, then I will send swarms of flies on you, your officials, your people, and all the houses. The Egyptians' homes will be filled with flies, and the ground will be covered with them. But this time, I will spare the region of Goshen where my people live. No flies will be found there then you will know that I am the Lord and that I am present even in the heart of your land. I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will happen tomorrow. I know about you, but I read it and I'm in, immediately encouraged that no matter what we see go, that's going to go down in these last days as far as the world is concerned, and I'm not suggesting that God's bringing judgment already. They, they, it's still held back, all right? What we're seeing is just, you know, sowing and reaping and uh, upheavals of stuff that has already been prophesied of, of what's going to go down. And, and yet in the middle of it all, God is able to make a distinction to look after you and to look after me. That if disaster needs to be needs to happen, uh, then it needs to happen to somebody else, not to us. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't put this any other nicer way. I know this is sort of being hard-nosed about it, but but no evil befalls us and no plague comes near our dwelling. That's our stance. That's our confession. That's our believing. That's how we develop our faith, and this is how it has to be. Good. Are you all right this morning? Yes. So Exodus 10, verse 22. Moses lifted up his hand to the sky, and deep darkness fell or covered the entire land for three days. During all that time, the people could not see each other, and no one moved. But there was light as usual where the people of Israel lived. Pitch black all over the land, but of course there's the exception. Gosh, headlight while the whole nation around them is in deep darkness. And friend, here's the deal. This was physical darkness. This was literal darkness. But I'm concerned that the world, societies, communities are in such deep darkness spiritually today as societies move further and further away from the Word of God, further and further away from the Bible, further and further from the Judeo-Christian worldview. and, And the very thing that's helped to build Western society which is Christianity uh, built on the bedrock of Judaism, the further that people move away from that, the further they move on into darkness. You know, they talk about an age of of enlightenment, and now people are so clever with all the learning that is available. And, 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 And yes, they are very clever academically, but they're completely dense spiritually because people are in deep darkness. And that's why you and I need to reach out. And see, here's the deal, friends. We need to know whom we belong to. And let's get as educated as what we can. But don't lose your footing as far as Bible knowledge is concerned. I, again, I've put down some anchor points many, many years ago. And I still believe in the six-day creation as spoken about in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and indicated in chapter 3. I still believe in that today. I still believe in the virgin birth of Christ. Even though many modern preachers no longer believe it today. They long, no longer preach it. I still believe it today. I still believe in a second coming of Jesus Christ. (laughs) God says, I'll make a clear distinction between my people and your people. And so there was light as usual where the people lived. Don't underestimate this, friend. Each time when we meet together, In any given setting, whether that's on a Sunday for a celebration service, we come together in our small group gathering and we open up the Bible, the light's turned on. And if any deception is trying to cling to you of stuff that you've heard during the week, it'll be cut off. And when the lights turn on, deception goes. So don't let the devil pry you away. Don't let the devil get you offended. Don't let the devil get you deceived uh, with messages that are coming at us from left, right, and center, from anti-God people, from anti-Christ spirits that are sitting inside the mainstream media, that are sitting in political establishments in some quarters or in some areas of the political spectrum more than in others. Just be careful. Uh, Exodus 9 verse 24 there is another judgment coming. There was hail and fire mingled with hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, that it, uh, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Verse 26, here it is. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were There was no hell. So if storms need to happen, they need to go around my house. (laughs) (laughs) Over it, around the side, I don't care. If earthquakes need to happen, then they need to happen in such a way that uh, there's a gentle rocking rather than a violent shaking. And actually, you and I, we're not just saying, all right, let's just look after ourselves and never mind about everybody else. We're praying into all of that. We're trying to stem the tide of what the devil wants to bring on the earth in terms of stuff going down. But natural disasters will happen. I'm about to read another scripture to you that is absolutely as clear as day. More of that will happen. But we're developing our faith that in the middle of it all, we are like the people of God in the land of Goshen. There is light, there is no hail. There is none of that stuff that goes down uh, as it did in the nation of Egypt around them. So God is able to make a clear distinction between his people and Egypt's people in these last days. I must say, I've been sort of asking, uh, God said, Lord, what does that look like in the last days? With everything that's going down, that's going to go down, where are the people of God in the middle of all of that? And what does that look like? I, I still haven't got all the answers in terms of the mechanics and the specifics, but I know this. God is able to make a distinction between between you and I in terms of the people of God and those who don't serve God, those who, who are still outside the covenant, uh, those who are still not saved and who, who, who don't know what it means to walk by faith. The, the God loves them, but, you know, God's goodness ultimately is only fully displayed in the lives of the people that surrendered their life to Jesus and serve Him. That's why we're reaching out. That's why we're doing what we can. That's why we're praying. That's why we're speaking to the earth. It's just a little shaking going on the other day. And so as soon as it starts, I just start commanding. You know, when people look for a desk, for a door frame to get under, I start commanding the earth, I say, be still in Jesus' name. If it needs to shake, let it shake out in the sea. Don't let it shake here and do damage. <laughs> we're taking authority, friends. You know, while ignorant Christians are running around, got on board with what everybody else is saying, oh, the big one's coming, the big one's coming. Well, we're stopping the big one we're stopping the the, the medium ones and we let little ones happen quietly and and, and so forth that uh, if there needs to be any adjustment under there let it be but don't cause any damage uh, on the surface so what shall we expect to see and I'm moving very quickly now because I do want to get to the end of this message there's just three areas that I wanted to highlight to you this is not all that's going to happen uh, but three areas that I, I see um And they're very sound predictions because they are from the Bible. This is not like somebody prophesying because they've had a vision or a dream. And yet we believe in that as well. But uh, this is what the Word says. Uh, In Luke chapter 21, verse 25, speaks about some of the signs that we can expect to see happen before the second coming of Jesus Christ. It says, there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars... How many of you heard about that blood moon that went on again? It was only visible in the northern hemisphere largely and in parts of Africa. We didn't see it in New Zealand, but there's another blood moon going on. And uh, of course people are, you know, are saying this and saying that, but nonetheless there's stuff going on now. It says signs in the in the in the um, sun, moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations. Distress of nations. Distress of nations, America is distressed, Europe is distressed, Africa is distressed, many parts of Asia are very distressed, South America is distressed. Praise God for Australia and New Zealand. Hallelujah, Jesus. The great Southland of the Holy Spirit. There's a few distresses going on, but nowhere near as bad as what we're seeing in other parts. Distress of nations with perplexity. <laughs> perplexity means people are just, we don't know what's happened and we don't know how to fix it. People try. You know, that's why it says the way of the wicked. It says they're in darkness and they don't know what caused them to stumble. They don't know how they got there. We know how they got there. They moved away from the Judeo-Christian ethic. They moved away from the teaching of the Word of God. They threw the Bible out. That's how it happened. When you take the truth out, the light creeps in. It's like if you take light out of the room, darkness will automatically come in. But the way to fix it is turn the light back on again. That's why I think it's wrong that we are now limiting the preachers to 15, 20-minute little sermonettes. What can you say in 15, 20 minutes when people have been listening to the devil all week long to try to straighten out people's minds again, including the preachers? That's why I preach for that hour now. Just No, no I'm not. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just stirring you up. Just pulling your leg. Men's uh, perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So, we certainly can expect to see an increase of natural disasters, economic and geopolitical upheavals. These things will increase in frequency and in intensity as we get nearer to the coming of Jesus Christ. It's been written. So we haven't got time to swing into Matthew chapter 24. And there's just just one passage of what Jesus told about the signs that will be happening. Uh, Of course, some of that will get get more intense as we get closer and closer. And at a certain point when the church will be raptured, it will really fly loose. But in the meantime, God's able to look after you and me in the middle of all of that. We'll be like, like those who lived in the land of Goshen then we can expect to see an increase of sin in our generation and at the same time an increase of God's grace. As I say, there is the bad news, but there is better better good news in the middle of it all. Because the Bible says here in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Sin abounds, but grace abounds much more. So God will always do better than what the devil is able to do in turning a society away from from biblical values and from truth as it's been understood for millennia. This is the tragedy of what we've got going on today. And one of those is now the latest things that, uh, that uh, demon-possessed people at the United Nations level have hatched Is this whole gender identity thing. It's just straight from the pit of hell. There's no other way to put it. It's confusing people and confusing them even more rather than telling them truth. It's pandering to some of these crazy things. It's now, the, it's now I mean, there's stuff going on at the United Nations level, that just boggles the mind. You know, just know this. The crazy people, I mean, there's obviously many good people that work there, and there's some wonderful people that are, that are trying to bring in a good influence at that level, but there's many, many people that have realized that in order to change the society... They need to start right at the top. It's at the United Nations. There is the sexual perverts that have moved in there, the feminists, uh, m- women that hate men, and, uh, and all sorts of other individuals uh, that have moved in there, and they're now crafting and putting regulation in place, and then they're pushing that down onto the nations. And our government, like every government around the world, is coming under pressure from the United Nations. Abortionists have moved in there. Abortion is a multi-billion dollar industry around the world. There's people that get very rich on it. And they, they got lobby, lobby people at those levels. And they're insisting that it is a woman's right to abort. And now New York State in America has just passed a law that now babies can be aborted right up to birth. And uh, if a baby survives the abortion, nobody's allowed to aid this child. It needs to die. I mean, how mean can the devil get? How deceived can people be? You see, but this is the mainstream media won't tell you that. That's what I'm saying. You know, we had a March for Life going on. There was hardly a mention of that in the news, just a small snippet. But when the feminists walk down the street, you, you hear about it from every angle. There's over-reporting, under-reporting, and non-reporting giving people a a skewed view as part of that slanted thing that's going on in society. So, again, we haven't got time to look at Scripture uh, that the Bible very clearly gave predictions in uh, Timothy chapter 4 says that in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. Loving money more than loving people. Traitors, headstrong, heady, uh, rebellious, uh, and all sorts of things. So we are in these days right now. Okay? But the Bible says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Friends, there's a grace for, for you and there's a grace for me to live victorious this year. There's a grace available even for the worst of sinners to be saved this year. Nobody's beyond salvation. That's why it's not about, you know, talking about some people are just beyond salvation. They're not. Uh, they're not beyond the grace of God, but you and I have to pray for them and you and I have to reach out to people so that people can get saved. There's a grace available for you and I to live in the world and to keep ourselves unspotted and unstained and uncontaminated from it. That we can listen to the news, we can listen to reports, and we somehow know what to take on board and we know what to pass up on. A discernment that is available to you and to me. And lastly, I want to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 17. This is a scripture that we have... um, sort of visited again and again because it's also speaking about the last days. And it says in verse 17 through to verse 21, it says, It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. And on my manservant and on my maidservants, I will pour out of my spirit in those those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are at the brink of and are already experiencing part of the greatest outpouring of the Spirit that the earth has ever seen. If the day of Pentecost was wonderful and awesome, and it was, the Bible says that the glory of the latter house will be more glorious than the former house. What we saw experienced on the day of Pentecost, which Acts chapter two speaks about in the book of Acts all the way through, is called the former rain. And the former rain was there in terms of the weather patterns of Israel to get, you know, the, the seed to germinate, but we're now getting ready to see the latter rain of the spirit, like we've never seen it before. We'll be experiencing more of it in New Zealand. There will be more in Australia. There will be more in Asia. There will be more in Europe. There'll be more in America, in Africa, in South America, just all around the world. God says, "I will pour out my out of my Spirit on all flesh, all flesh." And friends, let me tell you, we need more Holy Spirit. We need more Holy Spirit. Because as the Spirit of God gets poured out, and my prayer has been for a number of years now, and I'll keep on praying this until I see the fullness of it, however long that takes. When the Spirit of God... Is fully poured out we've seen in fact we read reports of revivals that have gone down uh, down through history whether that's you know the revival at Sousa Street Los Angeles in the early 19, uh, 1904 and 56 uh, or whether that was the Welsh revival prior to that or the revival in the in the Hebrides Islands off of Scotland when you see a full-blown revival It's the manifestation of when the Spirit of God is poured out and people open up their lives to God. And that's what we're looking forward to this year. So there is this dual thing going on. The devil is trying his darnest to do whatever he can to hold people down. But God is pouring out his spirit. God's got you and me to preach the gospel, to share the good news with people. And we're seeing a revival. We're going to see multitudes of people get saved. And I can't say that it'll be in February or in March or in May. But as I say, I look on into this year. And friends, the Bible has spoken it. It's got to happen. And I'm determined that I'm going to be a part of it. (laughs) we will be a part of this. We will not fall off of our perch. We will not fall off our horse in 2019. We will not get offended. We will not get deceived. We will absolutely stay with the Word. We will stay in the stream of what the Spirit of God is doing in these last days. We lay a hold of the grace needed for these challenging days. That's why I said, you know, I wish I could promise that everything is going to get better. Well, no, it's not. Many things are going to get worse. And there'll be economic challenges. There'll be political challenges. There'll be um, all sorts of things. But in the middle of it all, God God wants his people to experience Goshen the protection of God, the provision of God, to live a land that is well watered, that is lush, where things grow. And I'm not specifically saying that everybody should get land or it wouldn't be a bad idea. But uh, whether you live in a, in a city in a high rise, uh, that's your land. Uh, and God wants, that, God wants you well watered financially. God wants you, wants you well, well watered and God wants you well protected wherever you are, whatever goes down and there's a grace for that available for you and for me. Let's lay a hold of it. Let's do everything that we can to be a part of what God is doing in his last days. We've got that campaign starting. It's all part of the thrust to position us to get ourselves ready for more of what God has available. Friend, don't sit on the sideline. Don't, don't be on the outer. Come on in fully. Get fully engaged. Do everything you can to be in the middle and in the center of God's will. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you Lord we thank you for speaking to us about uh, what lies ahead and we thank you Lord God the glorious days are ahead for the believers wonderful things are waiting in store for us that are serving you that are loving you Lord that are in the house for protection and i thank you father for Lord uh, for our families That, Lord, we declare by faith that it is for us in our house we serve the Lord. And, Lord, we put away the gods uh, that our forefathers may have served. Idol worship, racial worship, money worship, worship of political ideologies, worship of academia, worship of this, worship of that, worship of the other. And we will only worship Jesus.